Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. George Floyd! 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 Welcome to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. Today is a special show. We are living in crazy times. The world is fighting through a pandemic. And on top of that, we're in the midst of an uprising here in the U.S. and actually abroad that we haven't seen in a long time surrounding the death of George Floyd at the hands of a Minnesota police officer. Um, today, officers, Matt, officers. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. Officers. Um, but today it's more than our usual finance show. We're getting social, we're getting political, and we're talking about how black lives do matter. So, Big Sean, tell us about our guest. Oh, man, this guest is one of my favorite people. Um, this guest, I can only say greatness about him. I think he's a wonderful man. I, I, I love where his intentions are, where his heart is. Um, you he, talking about uh, me? <laughs> <laughs> Not today. <laughs> he, he, doesn't, he doesn't hide behind who he is and what he represents and what he believes in, regardless of what the circumstances or consequences may be. He loves all people and he loves his people. And I think he'd be the best person to bring on this show to kind of make sense of what's happening during this whole George Floyd protesting going on. Um, and for him to even give some economics behind it and see, you know, just guide us with his wisdom. So no, without further ado, my favorite player, one of my favorite players, New York City's next mayor, 2021, mm-hmm. Mr. President of Brooklyn Borough Hall, Eric Adams. Thank you, bro. Thank you. Good to, good to be on. You know, I remember, you know, when we first connected several um, last year sometimes, uh, Dion and, and you came in and just talked that financial literacy and it was important to me and it just resonated and we continue to expand and let's continue to do some great things together. Well, um, I'm, I'm happy, we, to, happy to be part of, of your circle of friends, Eric. I really appreciate you. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate you coming on. And, and basically, uh, to get the, get us started, I, I just would like to take the temperature of everyone here in the room. How, how are we all feeling about what's going on? I know today, our, 
in recent days, they announced that they've uh, charges against all four of the police officers involved. But but how are we feeling regarding the, the whole George Floyd situation and the uprising and just the, the world today? And that's a great question, brother, because we don't ask that enough authentically. You know, I, I think about the soulful ballad that if you take a close look at my face, you'll see my smile is out of place in the tracks of my tears. Uh, we walk by each other and say, good morning, how you doing? I'm hurting. We say, great, have a nice day. You know, we don't really sit down and notice each other anymore. And we don't communicate. Uh, it's unbelievable how we don't communicate. And people talk about the mean nastiness of Donald Trump. Uh, but listen, let's keep it real. We've become a nasty and mean country. You know, you know, people don't sit down and just say, it's a right to disagree. It's a right for us not to understand something. We don't seek to understand so we can be understood. And communication is not just you saying something and you can get to the end of the sentence and tell you how wrong he is. You know, leave the dog alone, brother. I like dogs, man. You know, let the dog. <laughs> that was a little sound effect. <laughs> you know, so uh, I, I am, you know, I'm just in a good place because I don't live and regret what happened and I don't fear the future. I'm living in the presence and the journey of the people I'm meeting every day just really let me know how beautiful life is. And I'm not trying to get on this you know, this hippie woo-woo stuff. But listen, man, I, I'm around some people who love me. I love them. And that means everything to me. So no matter all the turmoil, all the noise, all the madness that's around me, I can pick up the phone and just say, hey, John, let's talk. And I can laugh. I can talk serious. And I can know that I'm having an authentic conversation. Hey, hey you know, hey, Dion, how you feeling? What's happening? Let's talk about something pleasant. You know, so, you know, if you don't have that, then you're going to be on this roller coaster of emotions of things that happen. I completely you agree, question, Eric. How did you feel like take away, you know, your accolades as borough president, take away yourself as being, you know, uh, being chief of police and so forth, and all the things, great things he's done? How did you feel like as a black man initially when you saw the video of and heard about what happened to uh, George Floyd? It's, 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 that's a powerful question, brother. You know, because you know, I went through, I was on the floor before, you know, when I was a young man and head cops beat my brother and I, uh, kicking us repeatedly in our groin, you know, and the, looking up at, when I saw the face of the officer that had brother Floyd on the ground, that's the same pleasure and disdain that that white cop that was kicking me and my brother and I, what he felt. And I relived it. And I relived it knowing that, you know, the journey has to continue. And uh, Brother Floyd wasn't the first black man that said he couldn't breathe. He wasn't the first black man that was beat, you know. And so don't let folks kid you that all of a sudden they found the conscious and that action was so painful that they, you know, they had to respond. No, I'm not buying that. Let me tell you what's going on right now in America. The average American now feel black. Donald Trump got elected and making them feel black. Coronavirus came here and all of a sudden they can't pay their rent. They all of a sudden uh, have to deal with the fact that they had jobs and now they are losing their jobs. We look at the two people who threw that Molotov cocktail. They were lawyers and they were- That was crazy. So <laughs> now crazy. America is saying 
Now I know what it is black. So when people say black lives matter, now they feel black. And so now they're saying their lives matter. Because this wasn't the first brother that was killed. <laughs> you know. So why now? Because right now they're feeling black. They know mm. what we've mm, been right. talking mm. about all mm. along. They know I, what it is not to be I, able to be able to pay your rent, not to be able to be wow. able to provide for your children, not to be able to know that you could get health care, the uncertainty of life. So what they're saying is, hey, lives matter now, black mm. lives they see themselves as being black. Don't be fooled. <laughs> well, one I'll thing that you, you said earlier that I think is important, though, is, is the balance we need to have, because this can be real stressful to watch the news and repeatedly see the footage of whether it's the the protesters and the police standing off, whether it's the the, the beating or the killing or, or just all this, this imagery at a certain point. You can't let what you consume consume you. Right. Because right. it can. Right. Yeah. And I'll tell you this, you know, just to kind of echo what you're saying, Eric, you know, I mean, we do this show Two Black Guys is Good Credit. It's about empowering people, especially our people of our community and showing them how to um, create generational wealth and economic wealth. And, you know, what you're breaking down is, you know, the reason why I felt it was important to have you on this show and to kind of talk about this, because this is all about economics and power, you know, and like you said, when you strip people of that, you know, they become, they see us now and they understand what we go through, you know, as right. people of color. And I think right. you broke it down so eloquently to, to that they were stripped, you know, maybe if the pan, if the pandemic didn't happen first to lead into it, George Floyd, they may right. not have felt the same type of passion as right. you're saying. And if you strip a people of economics, simple economics, they, they have, it affects them. And we've been stripped for 400 years. And I think people right. are finally understanding that and driving that. And you can't, you know, it's hard. And, you know, that's why I'm so passionate about financial literacy because I think it's the only game changer. It's creating wealth. Let me show you how we've been played, you know. And, and, and that's why, you know, I'm a, I'm a retrospective appreciated Negro. <laughs> you know, like right now, right now, they like, you know what, man, later for that damn Eric, you know, it's not until later that people are going to start saying, you remember what that cat was talking about? You know, because when I was talking about healthy eating, when I was talking about we need to change our diet, get the junk food out of our communities, pre, pre-existing conditions, that's chronic diseases. Chronic diseases come from the trash and garbage that we're feeding our children and our families. 90% of the people that die from COVID-19 died because of pre-existing conditions. 94% who had to go to the hospital had pre-existing conditions. But let me talk about, let, let me just drop this economic piece on you that's really deep. So you talk about economics. I'm a retired police captain. I was able to purchase three homes, put my son through college at American University, 50 $54,000 a year. He has no um, uh, debt. I was able to pay it each year without a problem. He has a home because of that, all on a police officer's salary, right? Now, so when blacks were not being properly getting medication, what did we do? We encouraged blacks to become doctors and physicians and health professionals. When blacks were not being educated properly, we encouraged them to become teachers so they can go in school and start their own schools. Tell me why 
We want reform in policing, yet we discourage strong black men and women to go into policing to turn it around. Instead of telling them, go in and turn it around, we say, no, don't go in. You're Uncle Tom, you're a sellout. Yet, we go to the store, buy a loaf of bread, pay our tax dollars, and we pay for the racist cop that we're telling us not to go into. So they actually played us. They, the racism of policing played us to say, you don't want to come in here. We gave power to the racists who have more power than the president of the United States. They can take life and they can take liberty and they can destroy your, your economics based on their behavior. And we're telling our young, black, bright men and women, don't go into that agency, although we're paying for them and we're giving them our tax dollars. You don't go in for it. How sick is that? Yeah, it's true. It's so true. <laughs> I do think we need we our people need to rise up. Yes, and get more involved and get more active in these things to really change change things. That's well, the only reason why we change is going to happen. Well, before we get too deep, we need to take a quick break. Stay tuned for more Two Black Guys with Good Credit, Black Lives Matter with Borough President Eric Adams, future mayor Eric Adams. We'll be right back. Two Black Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. And today, it's for the socially curious and the politically knowledgeable. We are talking to Borough, Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams about all that's going on in the world. And before you were the Brooklyn Borough President, you were also the chief of police. Is that correct? I was a captain in the police department. You know, went up through the ranks. Uh, and if you, do, if you do a Nexus, Lexus, or Google search, there was not one year I was in the police department that I was not raising hell. You cannot even find a month. Every month for 22 years, I was raising hell. Because I didn't want to be a cop. I wanted to be a computer programmer. Reverend really? Daughtry yeah. and other civil rights leaders after uh, Randolph Evans was shot and killed by housing cops, they took 13 of us in the room and they said, here's your assignment. You're going into law enforcement and you're going to fight from within. Because if you are just blowing or uh, if you're just pushing air from the outside, you're just moving air around. You got to go inside that balloon and push on both sides. And so if you could just imagine the PBA president is elected by his members. Get, there's no magic number. Change the numbers in the police department and we can change the conversation. There are things we can do. There are things we can, we can do right now. Let me let me drop this 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 this, this on you because this is drop important for us to really understand the science of this. Everyone in a career is not suitable for every assignment in the career. You have emergency room physicians and you have surgeons. You have special ed teachers and you have high school teachers. So just because you're in the career doesn't mean you're meant for every assignment in the career. So cats that used to and my team, when I was a platoon commander, there were cats that I wanted with me when I had to kick in the door and go for someone that had a gun. I don't want them on a, on a hostage situation when you got to talk someone out of a room. They don't have that mindset. So you have to have the basic abilities not to be abusive, but at the same time, you may not possess the same level of skills to be conflict resolution at that level. Cops who are anti-crime cops should not be on the front line of a protest. They spend their entire days chasing people with guns. So now when they're on the front line at a protest, they can't switch off 
that whole crime fighting mindset. Right. You need a different grade of cop who's at that front line that understand this is not personal. These people are, are here to voice their, their issues. They're not internalizing it. You, 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 you can't have people do every job in policing. Well, what about well, training? I, like, Dion, don't you have some facts on training? I was going to actually add that, Matt. Thank you for bringing me in because <laughs> uh, when you actually, when they actually did a poll of police officers, um, they said only about three in 10 actually feel equipped to do their job adequately. They don't without feel like they're actually getting the proper training. Without a doubt. And, and how do you feel about taking cops from Long Island and bringing them to Brooklyn, guys? You know, cops that don't, don't even know the inner city, never really worked with people in the inner city, and then coming here and policing. How do you feel about that? We should have a residency. Our cops should come from New York City. But and then you should, you should give additional points if you don't do a residency, residency, which is interesting. To get a residency, you have to have the state. You have to have the state. Uh, actually passed the law. Now, some of the same men and women who are in state government who will make the determination if you can have a residency or not, they have residencies in their counties, but New York City is not having here. So how do you get past that? You say, you know what? We can't get Albany to pass the law, so we're gonna give an ex extra 25 points to people who are New York City residents. That is how you get past the state not doing their, doing their job. But, the, but again, it goes back to my original comment, Brother Sean. We need brothers and sisters. If you, if you a pastor at your church, you know who's suitable to be a cop. Tell them join the police department. Do what Reverend Herbert Daughtry did to me. Give our young people assignments. You're going into the police department to turn it around. And then, then do something else. Let community boards pick the precinct commanders. Well, Let's well, come in front of them, interview, and make the determination, do we want you here in our community? Some of these precinct commanders have CCRBs, brutality in this, in their past. You should be able to look at their record and say, you know what? You're not suitable to patrol my community and be the commander in my community. Because the commander is going to set the tone for the whole command. So does the police, like the, the chain of command, do they purposely look to place people from their like if they know that you're from this community do they do they try to place you there is that a part of the the top down do they look to, to do that or do you have to ask to be placed in a certain neighborhood no man is they use the wrong make a, a matrix they use the wrong numbers mm -hmm. to determine who's where it's the old boys network it's not about hey are you the most qualified for that community no you my carpool buddy hey you my drinking buddy hey you my golf buddy you know, that's what it's about. You're my neighbor. It's about knowing who you know. It's not about who's the best fit for a community. You had well, that Lieutenant Raymond, solid brother. Uh, he, he sued the police department because they were trying to make him uh, write summons to black and brown people. He sued the police department, did a whole, he got an Emmy Award for his documentary. That's the type of black man you want in the police department. You're not going to have that type of madness you saw if you have someone like him. That's well, to that... To that point of the good old boy network, like when there is police misconduct, is it realistic to expect the police to investigate the police? Or how do you then, how do you navigate, how do, as a society, how do we find a way to manage that? Obviously, it's a tough job, but when something goes wrong, how do we manage that? Uh, there's certain things that you can do. And that's why it's so important for someone that went through the system to be able to dismantle the system. You know, that's, it's crucial to do that. 
Number one, what happened in Minnesota is extremely significant. Three things happened that's a game changer in policing. They fired the cops right away. We waited a whole five years before we fired Pentaleo after he uh, murdered Eric Garner. They fired them right away. Number two, they fired everyone that was there, even those who were watching. Number three, they indicted the cop, the original cop, right away. And, and lastly, they indicted everyone. So what they said, a crime means if you're part of that crime, you're going to be swept into it also. So if I do a robbery and you're right there with me, you're getting, you're getting hit with acting in concert. We never did that with the police before. If someone intentionally takes the life of a person, those officers should be charged also with acting in concert. And that is what we saw in Minnesota really for the first time. And that sent a message that no one could hide behind again. And it says to those cops, you are now responsible for the action of those who you go out with. That's very significant. So let me ask you a question then. So when 2021 comes around and you become mayor, now I know... I mean, this is not the only instance, like you said, I think the only difference now that people are seeing is that, you know, racism has always existed. It's just never been, now it's being seen on video. How is this going to like change the way in which you run New York City? How are you going to, how has this helped you or is it going to make you do things differently or are there things that you're going to want to attack right away to, um, to better the city? Well, and brother, you know, I've been really so tired of the campaign. I've been tired. Really, you know, I've been living in this damn building for 50 plus days, man. Responded to COVID on the ground and now transitioning right into uh, the protest. I'm getting ready to go out in a few minutes after I finish with you to march oh and God. monitor the marches because it's significant. Let me tell you what happened. A lot of people didn't realize what was happening in this city. There were three types of, of, of marches. One group were young people who were righteous in their pursuit to turn around police abuse. That was a significant group. Then there was this other group that was not here for police abuse. They were here to burn down the city. They were professionals. They knew how to, to make Molotov cocktails. They, they came and cased out the city ahead of time to see where uh, to go, how police respond. They have backpacks full of rocks that they would resupply people. They were agitators. They were encouraging people to um, throw Molotov cocktails. We had to separate them from the marches. So I've been communicating with the Black Lives Matters leaders here in Brooklyn to tell them and instruct them, this is what to look for so that that group won't come and destroy what you're trying to fight for. Because if, if we didn't educate them, those first, that first two days, Friday and Saturday, they were just swept up with any and everybody. And people came here from out of town with one goal, they said they were going to burn down the city. They found on Eastern Parkway, they found several Molotov cocktails and a trunk full of gasoline. They found that they were planning on, they were trying to encourage the marchers to throw Molotov cocktails all over our community and, and burn down the city. Then you have the third group who are straight up crime, crime of opportunists. You know, they're leaving every night with a shopping bag and a hammer and they go into a local business and they say, you know what? I always wanted that Kate Spade bag. My, my boo wanted it. I'm getting ready to just go do it. They're not even into what we're doing. And so we need to protect that solid group of young people who are trying to do change and not allow other people to disrupt or sideline the conversation. And so that has been my focus. And that's why I'm out there every night talking to these young people that are marching, 
letting them know, don't let them take away the reason of why you're out here. Let's stay focused on that. That's what our city needs, no matter who's the mayor. We need to run this city in a more efficient manner. And it comes in one sentence, brother. I say this all the time. We need to manage our assets, have equitable dis distribution of resources in real time. Bottom line, we didn't do that in COVID. We never do it. And we need to start doing that in real time, making sure people are getting the equitable distribution of the city's resources. Well, let me ask you a question, Eric, about the vote. And do you think as a group that uh, black American voters are leveraging their voting power for policies or to serve their interests as well as other groups? Or is that something like what? How do you feel about that? Do you think like sometimes it seems like we get to the polls and then we think it's done, like the work that it takes to then get the change to happen after November? Love it, man. You're so right. You know, and it's about getting engaged, man. You know, it's about. PTA meetings, block associations, civic groups, community boards. You don't have to be appointed to a community board. You could sit on a community board and be on one of the committees without an appointment. You know, it's about, you know, starting youth leagues. It's about what Sean did and, 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 and Dion did. They were here at Borough Hall weeks at a time for free teaching financial literacy. You know what I'm saying? It's about just saying... Tide and offering is not only putting 10% back in the plate on Sunday. 10% of your life should go back to doing something. Do you and think culturally, though, are we doing that as a group? Are, are other groups doing it better? Or is it like, do you see a difference in how different our cultural and racial groups handle their constituency? Are we, you know, you know, get what I'm saying? Like, is there a, a lack of that in our community or it, not? I think that what we need to do that other groups, because I'm all over the borough and all over the city, but this borough is extremely diverse. So I see different ethnic groups on how they operate. The goal is what I did and what my team did in the police department when we started 100 Blacks in Law Enforcement Who Cared. Uh, I went to 10 of my friends and I said, listen, I need you to get 10 of your friends that think like us, you know, so that we won't spend 80% of our time arguing and fighting and 20% of our time doing something. So what we need to do, coalesce with groups that think like you, you know, and, and, and just, you know, groups that don't think like you, if you have a different philosophical belief, if, you, if it's your mindset that, hey, money is bad and we need to burn all money, then Negro, you don't need to be part of my financial literacy team that believe we need to build wealth. You know, we spend our time, black folks have other mindset, because you're black, you automatically must be part of the group. No, man, we, we, we got different thoughts. There's different philosophies, you know? And so we need to start coalescing with teams of people that we share like minds so our attention could go to building and not go to debating. Well, I'm going to agree with you, Eric, and I think people uh, like our community needs to work together. And that's one thing I love what you do, even during this time, you're sending out Zoom links, you're saying, let's talk, let's get together, let's form, let's, let's form coalitions. And I think even and what I, I, I'm disappointed with on our community, with, on our people is that when, I think the higher we get, the more we distance ourselves from our people, from our community, the more we, we choose not to get involved the way that I think we should get involved on a grassroots level. And I commend you for continuing to do that and bringing these groups together. And I, and I think, like, through this whole thing, that's one of the lessons to learn through this is that, you know, the power of people coming together, 
what can change and what can happen and you know and how we can grow economically and spiritually and all those great things if we learn the power of people well one other topic i'd like to cover in this section is we talked about policing and we talked about voting but what about the incarceration rate i know dion you have some facts about the incarceration rates and like how that that part of the the, the equation with our community well just looking at between 1980 and 2015, the number of people incarcerated in America went from 500,000 to 2.2 million. And then when you look at the United States, that makes up about 5% of the world's population, we have 21% of the world's prisoners. So true. And a real issue, real issue that, first of all, no one that commits a nonviolent act, nonviolent act, particularly of a misdemeanor, should be spending time in jail. There's other ways uh, to address that, and that's misdemeanor. Now, if you do a nonviolent act of serious embezzlement, taking someone's home, uh, uh, you know, Bernie Madoff. <laughs> right, right. Then that's a different conversation. But nonviolent act, there are ways of doing restorative justice that we need to look at and not simply build uh, on a prison industrial complex. But we all, I'm, I'm a big believer, and sometimes I take a hit for it, we gotta be saved. You know, I can't, we can't have communities where cats are just going to feel, they're gonna sit and wait until Ms. Jones uh, gets a social security check and she's gonna, he's gonna, you know, knock her over her head and, you know, you, you're not going to do things that are of a predatory nature uh, to people. Because we've been, I've been there before. 1984, when I started policing, listen, man, this place was some you know, real violence. People were doing some mean and nasty things to folks. But we need to make sure we remove reasons for crime. But those small number of people who just believe that they don't have to reform they got to be dealt with in my, I'm very clear about that. I don't believe in black people being the victims of predatory crimes, rape, robbery, homicides, manslaughters. It's not acceptable to me. Well, we're going to take a quick break on this Black Lives Matter, Two Black Guys with Good Credit Edition with the Brooklyn Borough President, Eric Adams. So you stay tuned, keep it locked. When we come back, we're going to break down the economic piece of this conversation. So stay tuned. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. 
With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. Today, we are joined by Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams. We are discussing the current state of affairs in the world, you know, the Black Lives Matter, the, the murder of, of George Floyd and, and all that, that has come with it. But now we get into some solutions. Talk about economics and how you see that as a part of the solution. So important. And, you know, economics, that's why I take my hat off to uh, Dion and uh, what Sean, they're doing. Financial literacy needs to be taught in our schools. Financial literacy should be taught in our churches, our houses of worship. Uh, it's about how do we use our dollar. And even now, there's a lot of folks that see uh, crises, but people are seeing currency. I saw that in New Orleans when I drove down to deliver food after Hurricane Katrina. Halliburton was all over the place. Uh, you know, there are folks who are wait for crises, man-made or natural, and they are on the ground seeing profit for it. And so as devastating as COVID-19 is and continue to be, someone has to make the PPEs. Someone has to make the hospital gowns. There's a whole new food distributorship that's opening uh, right now. Uh, someone is going to have to feed the senior centers and uh, deliver food. There's, they, you're going to need drivers uh, to deliver food. Uh, there's a lot of economics that's going to come out of uh, coronavirus. And we need to be there to repurpose our shops. If you're a tailor, uh, if you can make me a suit, you darn sure can make a face mask. You know, you can make a hospital gown. And so we cannot sit back and say, woe is me. We got to say, why not me? And I'm, I want our folks to see and look, okay, what are the needs now as we rebuild this city? You know, what are the needs? How do we now repurpose ourselves to be part of the rebuilding process that needs to be done? Because hundreds of, of millions of dollars, billions of dollars is going to be put into the city uh, to rebuild the city. We need to make sure we get a portion of that. Everything down to those little swabs that you're using for testing. Someone has to make them. The little kids, the little plastic bags. <laughs> you know, I always said, I'll do anything. I don't want to own the store. I just want to have the, have the brown paper bag contract, <laughs> you know, that everybody yes. uses. <laughs> you know, so the economics is there and we have an obligation to make sure that we uh, know how to manage our money and find the right ways not to wear our riches. Yeah, I believe economics is the key. It's the key. And even, you know, economics and the power of people, because if not, we're going to be, we're going to, this is just going to recycle. You know, it's even so hard for me to explain to my kids that, you know, the solution is not an easy one. And you're going to have to get involved when you, you're going to have to take the baton and keep this moving forward at 15 years old. I got to explain those things to him. Um, but I think now I feel a difference. I feel like, you know, it's now I see all peoples of color coming with us and helping us get to where we need to get to. So I definitely but think. 
strong leadership and the people will help push this agenda forward. Yeah. Well, what about the ground we have to make up? Like, the, t- talk about the disparity in, in families and in, in, in cultural and in net worth. Like, Dion, don't you have some stats on, on net worth? I do. So at $171,000, that's the net worth of a typical white family. That is nearly 10 times that of a black family. And that was actually, this is in 2016, but it's not that much different. I wish I had a more recent stat. So wait, that's staggering. You just said 171,000 is the network of a typical white family and 17,000 is the typical network of a net worth of a black family. That is that's correct. staggering. Yes. And for black women who are typically running these single family, you know, as a single woman running these households, um, we're more than likely going to end up with negative net worth by the time we're retiring. So it's, and the funny thing is at the same time, when you look at black women, we are educating ourselves more. We're actually opening businesses, businesses at the fastest rate, but it's not translating into wealth. But then as a people, we're spending about $1.3 trillion in consumer spending, but we're not necessarily owning or translating. Are you encouraged wealth. by these numbers, President Adam? Like, like in terms, do you, do you see the, the uh, possibilities of, or, or do you see growth or do you see, are you depressed by that, those stats? Like, how do you feel about those numbers? I see opportunity, uh, you know. Amen. It's not that we don't have money, we're doing the wrong things with it. And we can close the gap by making smart decisions and right decisions. I see opportunity. That's what I see. I see learning how to fix your credit, learning how to save, learning how to put your money to, together and do small investments. Uh, I see as, as devastating as the numbers are and some of the figures that I'm hearing that uh, we're going to have a zero uh, net wealth in the next uh, 20, 30 years is, is troubling if we don't change the course in what we're doing. And I see out of everything, I see opportunity that we can do. But you're not going to have that opportunity if you are getting that Kate Spade bag. You're not going to have that opportunity if you are trying to get mm-hmm. the next pair of Air Jordans. You got to be you know, smart. <laughs> you're, you're not going to have it. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you what's deep. My son, like I stated, he graduated from American University. Uh, no student loan. A dad grind and paid that $54,000 every year. Did not miss one payment because I said, son, you're going to leave school uh, with no debt. I'm going to make sure I'm going to do my part. Kudos. He and I were sitting down and talking. He says, you know, Dad, I don't know if I could live, live an ordinary life. I, I need a, a special life. I said, you know, so there's a delicate balance of raising our children because I want them to have the life I didn't have. We have to be very careful because they need to have the things that we do have. And that's grinding. Dad, grind. Yes. You know, and, and, and we know what it is to grind. And I, I told them, I said, let me tell you something. I love the hell out of you. But I will not leave you my houses. If you don't have your act together, you know. Mm-hmm. I just want to make sure I didn't glaze over the fact that you have a bill right now where you're trying to push financial literacy into the schools. So I just wanted to make sure people people knew that. But correct? That still without, works? Without a doubt. It's, it's, it's a bill that is important. Uh, to teach financial literacy. It must be in every school. We have a collective audience. It's an opportunity for children to learn how to manage their money because it's wrong. We set them up for failure. Every college campus, they have credit card companies sitting there waiting for our babies. 
You know, we set them up for failure. To not have any idea how to manage your money, you are being set up for failure. A life of debt is a life of trauma, unhappiness, and real problems. President, you used a oh. key word there. Sorry, Matt, I just wanted to just, um, the word trauma, because it's not just uh, dollars and cents. It's not just spend and save. We've experienced a lot of trauma as people. So there's 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 healing that needs to be done around that as well with regards to our relationship to money. So I thought what you said there was actually very, very powerful as well. If we're really going to create a shift around creating wealth. Well, President Adams, I also want to connect this. We're talking economics in this section. Earlier, we talked about policing. Um, lately, there's been a phrase picking up steam around the country in recent weeks about defund the police and the theory being reallocating funds in different st cities and states from their budgets to reinvesting in communities. And like, some, like there's a $6 million budget on the table in New York City for police, but an 80% cut on the table for education in the city of New York. Do you think our spending philosophy is out of whack? Do you, how do you feel about that? Without a doubt. Yeah, no, without a, without a doubt. Um, listen, crime is down. Uh, the numbers are clearly down. How would crime being so low from the 80s, the cost of policing has increased so much? We could we can change. First of all, we should change the whole concept of policing and using that billion dollars in real services. For example, uh, Captain St. Ford, good brother. Uh, he's a captain that he has a program that he's doing right now. Little Johnny comes in, 13-year-old, he has a gun. Traditionally, hmm. you say, okay, little Johnny, I'm locking you up for that gun. Captain St. Fort is saying and doing something different. Sit down with little Johnny. Hey, little Johnny, what's going on in your life? You know, I don't have anyone home that's feeding me. I haven't ate in a long time. Is allowing little Johnny to do better things and finding better ways to make sure that child does not become a victim of the system, but give them the support that he's needed. You can do that with using that billion dollars plus dollars in a real way. That's awesome. Uh, well, with, with budgets being how they are within in your own borough of Brooklyn or, or bigger with the, the, the state, the city of New York or the state or the country, do you think we have the money across the board, not just with policing, but just to be reallocating and redistributing funding to my so my, minority and lower income neighborhoods are, are able to you know, get better housing, education, health care. Like, is the money there? You know, we need to be clear. We go through a real crisis financially, and we have to put our priorities in order, and we need help from the federal government. But we got a real financial crisis in the city, and that's why we need to get our priorities in order. Those communities that were hardest hit from coronavirus need to get the most resources uh, on the ground, and that is how we have to think, think this through. Got it. Well, I know we're running a little short on time. We want to thank our guest, the borough president, Eric Adams. We appreciate your time in these trying times with all the turmoil and unrest. Uh, it's nice to hear a, a leadership voice like yours. Like yours. Mm. We appreciate that. Thank you very yeah. much. It's, it's, good. it's good being here with you. And I really appreciate the opportunity of coming together. It's always good seeing um, all you guys. Thank you. Thank Should you. I say Mayor Adams? That's what I'm going to say. All right, my friend. 
Well, be right, safe you. out there. Really be safe. We know what yeah. happened to the other senator, so be safe out there. Will do. Thank you. Take thank care. You. Okay. All right. Good night. Again, we want to thank our guest, Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams. And Dion, why don't you tell the people what they need to hear? Yes. So I'm sure you have questions. Please email us at tbgwgc at gmail.com. That's two black guys with good credit at gmail.com. And I'm sure you have tons of comments. So hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at two black guys good credit. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review so it makes it easier for others to find us. My name is Dion Nichols, the lady with the history, the stats, and the cold hard facts. And remember, let's love one another. All right. Thank you, Dee. Um, and that's it for me. One half of Two Black Guys with Good Credit. No justice, no peace. All you people out there protesting, be safe. And uh, we're praying for uh, peace and, and some growth in this country. Sean? Um, I'm Sean, the better half of Two Black Guys with Good Credit. And I hope our listeners appreciate this show that we did today. Although it doesn't fall directly in line with financial literacy that we're teaching, but I hope they see what we try to do is connect the dots and let everybody know that everything is connected. You know, it's hard for us to preach financial literacy when we have this unrest happening. And we just felt that it was important that we, 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 we speak it out with our listeners. So once again, I really appreciate you listening to our show and, and taking in our podcast. Stay safe out there. Stand behind what you believe in. Love you guys. I'm Sean Lindo, the better half of two black guys with good credit. And as I say every show, keep your money in your damn pocket. I'm out. The Two Black Guys with Good Credit podcast is produced by Matt Smith and Arlington Forbes. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist-approved, so fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.